This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. Tonight I have with me two people I'm very excited to have on tonight, and that is Paul Greco and Eric Crump. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks. Great to be here. Hola, buenos dias. <laughs> you know, Eric and Paul have had such busy schedules lately with everything that they're doing, both in training and in training people. Uh, in in the case of uh, Paul, you've been studying quite a bit for your upgrade training. And, sure and, and Eric and Eric's been uh, actually helping people along with their careers, and we're really appreciative. I've been that. watching people study, that, which yes. is, I guess, <laughs> not the same thing. Well, it's sort of the same thing. I, I can imagine you're helping quite a few people. Like you said, you've been on the phone quite a bit with folks and answering I, lots of I questions. Like to, yeah, this is, uh, this is the busy season, yes. as we call it. Yeah, April, May is usually pretty busy around my neck of the woods. I could just imagine. And uh, to the listeners, welcome, and thanks for your questions. Again, this is going to be another question-and-answer session. I really appreciate it. Tom Wachowski couldn't make it this evening, uh, but he has some words of advice. We'll get to that in a second. Thanks for all your questions. Also, uh, if you get a chance, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com, select uh, contact, and you can ask your questions there. We'll try to get back to you. Some of the questions that you ask are very personal, and uh, I want to remind some of the folks that we do have coaching services if you want to get really personal and you want some advice. Advice directly from myself or one of our other coaches here at Aviation Careers Podcast. We've been adding uh, new coaches every few months, so it's uh, it's been a real blessing to have uh, have those coaches come aboard and also to have some great co-hosts here. Thanks so much for the emails and also all the inspirational emails. Keep them coming because they keep me motivated and they also keep our listeners motivated. I know that some of you have said you're you know not so sure if you you should be sending in some of these emails uh, that are stories about uh, your successes. They're great. They help other people, as you will be able to hear from the emails that we have this evening. First of all, though, before we get started, a comment from Tom Wachowski. Tom Wachowski wanted me to tell you this and relate this to you. First of all, he wants to make sure that you do one thing. Get clear on what you want your career lifestyle to look like. Great advice from Tom. Get clear on what you want your career lifestyle to look like. Do you want to be home every night? Do you want to be out on the road? Do you want to visit great places in the Caribbean? Do you want to go to Europe? Do you want to fly 14 hours? Do you want to buy, fly in a large airplane? Do you want to fly in a float plane? Do you want to teach people how to fly? Do you want to work as an administrator? Do you want to be an air traffic controller? Uh, you know what, what do you want to do? Envision what it is you're doing in that career. Try to put that in your mind and say, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to be. And a great way to do that, to get clear on that career lifestyle, is to, is to ask people and also to visit with people. And to listen to things like this, this podcast, because that's what we try to do. We try to share with you the different career lifestyles. You know, we have people in academia. We have people that are involved in regional airlines. We have people that are managers. We have folks that are involved in safety management systems. We've had uh, those folks on also. And I just want to make clear that these are all aerospace and aviation careers that we try to focus on here. Obviously, uh, lately, in the past couple of years, we've really been focusing on those, those flying jobs because of the fact that uh, things have really been moving, moving along very quickly. Eric, I can imagine how busy you folks have been. Yeah, it's it's really tough to actually keep up with it, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing. You know, people are interested, people want to enroll, and people want to start their um, start their journey, uh, and that's a good thing. 
Um, the thing I've noticed the most is the enthusiasm level, though, of the people who come in. Because there's always a steady stream of people who are like, well, yeah, this is what I want to do. But just in this last year, even, I've noticed that the enthusiasm level of these guys, and this is from you know, the, the young, you know, the 16-year-old side all the way up into the mid-40s side, when they come in our door, it's just, it's this bursting thrill of, I cannot wait to do this. This is what I want to do. I'm ready. Whatever it takes, any hurdle, throw it at me. I'm ready. And um, and it's uh, that, that's a really rewarding part. I mean, I'm, I love having people show up. That's that's fine. But having people who come in who are really gung-ho, ready to go, um, that uh, that's a big deal. It sure is. It sure is. And speaking about gung-ho and ready to go, let's get moving on our questions. We're going to do a round robin like we've done before. I'm going to start off, and then next will be Eric, and uh, then we'll be Paul after that. I'm going to answer the first question and uh, comment on the first question, then we'll go around uh, like that to expedite the process. By the way, uh, I'd apologize, but I I keep doing that, so I'm going to stop apologizing. I really want all your questions (laughs) to be sent in. Uh, I wish I could get to all of them. I can't. There's just so much I can do, and I can't get back to you directly. So if you do email me, um, it's uh, you know one of the unfortunate things if we, we become so busy that I can't directly email you back. So what we're going to try to do is do as many episodes as we can to answer the questions on here, uh, but there's just a, a limited amount of time that we have. So we're going to try as hard as we can to answer as many questions as we can. So let's get started right now. The, with the first question comes in, it's more of a comment. It says, uh, it writes in, I wrote you to you once last year when I was working as a line tech and an FBO and finishing up my commercial license. Since then, I've started a new job flying in the right seat of a King Air 90 doing aerial application work. That sounds really cool. He continues, it is a great job and I love it. I want you to know how much your podcast has inspired me to push forward in my career and how thankful I am for all the helpful advice from you and your guests. In one of your recent episodes, you mentioned starting a pick of the week for tools and services that have helped you as a pilot. I have a tool to suggest, which has proved extremely valuable for me, an electronic logbook. I use a free one called My Flight Book, which allows me to record all my flying hours just like a regular logbook. All the information is stored securely in the cloud. Not only does it serve as a backup in case I ever lose my paper logbook, but it makes finding certain time totals incredibly easy. Say, for example, my next employer wants to know how many night cross-country hours I have in a complex aircraft. I can find the number in seconds. Using my flight book helps me prevent making math errors in my paper logbook and also keeps track of currency. So I'll know, for example, whether I need another night landing before I can go flying with passengers. So that, that, that website is myflightbook.com. We'll have it in the links below. So, so now we have listeners giving picks of the week. So that's kind of cool. So we're not going to have picks of the week. So that's going to be one of our, our pick of the weeks here. Uh, he says, he continues, I would recommend using an electronic logbook to all pilots. This is the important point, especially students. I wish I had started using one earlier as it would have saved me a lot of hassle while going through my private instrument and commercial license applications. My Flight Book can be accessed from a phone or iPad or at myflightbook.com. Best of all, it's free. Thank you again, and keep doing what you're doing. Well, we sure will keep doing what we're doing. You keep doing what you're doing, and that's a terrific story about what you're doing. And congratulations on that job with King Air. That's awesome. I use an electronic flight uh, logbook. Uh, I've used a few different ones in the past, and uh, I'm using one now. They all have advantages and disadvantages, but the point that you made is the fact that it's backed up. 
it, it's important though to back up your electronic logbook. Years ago, before they had the cloud, I used an electronic logbook, and I lost it. Uh, got deleted, and I couldn't I couldn't restore it. And I wasn't doing backups. It, luckily, it was in the beginning of my career, so it didn't matter as much. But having that electronic logbook, I can actually. And this is another thing to, to make sure of when you do have an electronic logbook is make sure you can actually download it and also possibly print it for your future employers. Uh, Eric, now, do you folks uh, recommend using lo- electronic logbooks in general, and do you have one that you recommend? Um, it is definitely highly recommended. We haven't gone to a program-wide uh, logbook adoption yet. Um, I have used uh, Zulu Log in the past and really liked it. It was free also. Um, and for a very small amount of money, uh, you can link your um, online logbook with um, your instructor. So your instructor can do endorsements and all that in your logbook, again, through the cloud, backed up and all that. So that was a really neat utility. I used that one for a long time. And um, now, um, because like many pilots, I've kind of, I admit, I have become a four-flight junkie because it's so easy to use, and there's, uh, at least for us, we use... um, the um, uh, the collegiate portal version of ForeFlight, so I can distribute our operations manuals, our standardization manuals, and everything to students um, via the via ForeFlight. So ForeFlight has a new logbook feature, which is awesome, by the way, um, because ForeFlight knows where you fly and how long you were flying and what airplane you were flying in, and it just makes your logbook forget forget easy and electronic. It's automatic. It just does it for you. It does everything for you, uh, and it knows if it's at night or not, um, and it fills in the appropriate columns and lets you review and edit it. So I got to say that uh, ForeFlight's logbook is actually really cool as well. Yeah, and that has uh, the ability to uh, export them right away to your logbook or to another, excuse me, a program where you can print it to a physical logbook, which is kind of cool too, Uh, especially when you're going for like an interview, that type of thing. I think also some of the other folks that are out there, and I will have to check on this, some of the other, one of the other big ones like Avplan EFB, I think was starting to move towards that too, to the logbook. So I think all of them are incorporating uh, your flights into your logbook, etc. You know what I do is I pull my information from my company's website and I bring it into my logbook and in all the times and locations it already figures everything out and, and the landings. I have to actually physically put in if I landed or not because it's a two-pilot crew. Uh, but And then I have to put in the instrument time and I think every single logbook you'll have to do that uh, with the, the conditions obviously because it doesn't know the conditions but it does know if it's night which is important. And, and daytime. Paul, do you also use any electronic logbook? I do. I quit using my paper logbook um, when I started at the regional. It's just too many, too many legs and uh, too much arithmetic for me. So I have. I'm a Mac guy, so I use Log Ten, uh, Log Ten X, and I'm I'm super happy with it. Uh, I've interviewed um, at a at a legacy airline a couple of months ago, and so. Um, filling out the application on airlineapps.com, they want you to fill out time by type. And so, you know, as a flight instructor, I mean, you know how it is. You fly, you might fly 50 different types of airplanes because there's, you know, 10 different types of Cessna 172s out there. So, and they want to know the N model, the P model. They want to know all that stuff. So, um, uh, so that my, my uh, software actually has um, a, f- a template where you can um, actually download the, the the times exactly the way Airline Apps wants it. So you just you just transpose that over, which is super super nice. Then you can also save it as a PDF. 
um, so that you can bring it to a, like a Staples or Kinko's or something and have it printed out. And it prints it out in a number of different formats, like the Jeppesen format or the Sporties logbook format. It does a really great job. You could set up smart groups, which is really nice. So if you're like, I'm, I was trying to keep track of um, when it hit a thousand hours and uh, that, so I set up a smart group for that. So it counted down. So I, I knew when I was getting there. So I got it very functional, very, very easy. Um, and the way I sort of keep track, I keep track of my time day by day on uh, what they call a trip sheet, which if you're not, if you're not familiar with that, that's just uh, when we print out our paperwork, it lists our, our legs for the day. And it includes the, the uh, tail number of the airplane, the, the uh, flight segment and the times. And so what, I actually just write on there is um, the actual times that we're in and out. And uh, I also write like any IFR or night flying that we did. And then whether, again, like Carl, it's a two-pilot crew. So I just put a check mark on that line if it, if it was my leg to fly so that I can I can note that for landings. And, uh, and that's my little system. And everybody sort of has their own way of doing it. Some guys carry the little... Um, uh, those little pocket logbook things, and uh, and then they Im- they import it into their their computer later on. You know, maybe a month down the line. Other guys use the the company program uh, and just download the times there. But uh, but that's how I do it, and it's great software. And and uh, I would I wouldn't do it any other way now. And uh, in addition to that, there's uh, some of the other logbooks that are out there that are specifically made for certain companies. Mm-hmm. And those people have been able to import uh, some information from other people's uh, software, not just their own companies, because their company like uses Saber or whatever. Then they can go to other companies that use Saber in, a, in maybe a little bit different format. Saber is a, a, a software system, and that that actually uh, is a great benefit to anybody who's working at an airline. It also keeps track of the FR one seventeen uh, rules. But this this is a suggestion of my flight book. I've never used it. But in general, I think uh, logbooks, electronic logbooks, are a great thing to do. So thanks, thanks for that uh, that email. Well, let's move on to the next question here or the next comment. And uh, this one says, uh, "Hello, Carl. I've been listening to your show for a while now, and it's been so informative that I don't think a simple thank you will suffice." Well, thanks. I appreciate that. The information that we all get from your show is invaluable, especially for someone like me who is completely foreign to the aviation industry. That actually brings me to my first thought of an abbreviations guide. Professionals such as yourselves on the show have some shorthand terms that you routinely use. And although I can decipher some of them, it would be very handy if there was a guide to some of the nicknames and terms that you sometimes use. As for my aviation situation, I'm enrolled in the professional aviation program through the University of Cincinnati and Sporties Academy. The program is a two-year associate's program that can be coupled with a business administration program to earn a bachelor's degree from the university. I'd like to ask you if you have any personal opinions, if you've heard of anything noteworthy about either of these institutions. My program doesn't begin until the fall of 2016. I've heard you guys mention a few times before that students really need to be careful about flight schools. Aside from what I can read on the Internet, which I can only trust so far, I'd love to hear the feedback and opinions of industry professionals. I'm sure that I've 
had more, I have many more questions in the future. And thank you so much for your time. And please uh, write us in if you have any more questions. By the way, there is uh, some an abbreviation guides and Wikipedia that actually is pretty good. And it's a list of aerospace and aeronautical abbreviations. I apologize for not, uh, you know, always explaining all these different terms. But sometimes we get on a roll and uh, and we just uh, kind of throw them out there. But uh, Eric, have you heard of these institutions? <laughs> once or twice, yeah, yeah, I've heard of them once or twice. Um, and actually, I would also mention on the whole uh, abbreviations thing, um, the Pilot Controller Glossary um, is actually a really neat little tool, and I think a lot of people forget that it's there. Um, in some printings of the FAR Ames that you can buy in a bookstore, buy them online, um, they actually put the Pilot Controller Glossary in there. Um, but it's something you can search for; just Google it, Pilot Controller Glossary. Um, it's actually put together by the Air Traffic Organization of the FAA, and it's all the little shorthand things we say to each other over the radio, which may not cover everything you hear on the podcast, but it is a nice, um, at least a starting point, and it's free, and uh, it's online, so you can search it really easy. Um, and so there's another resource for you. Um, but in terms of uh, the um, uh, Sporties program through Cincinnati, um, first of all, got to give a quick shout out to my, uh, to my other brother, uh, Eric Radke. Sporties, just in case he's listening. Hey, Eric, love you. Um, so I, I've known about um, the Sporties program for a long time, and um, I think you would have a really hard time finding anybody who would speak negatively of it. Um, it it's um, it's uh, it, it, what they do there, the way they've partnered with University of Cincinnati, and the way that program works. Um, I would go so far as actually to kind of call it a model for how. Um, uh, partnerships like that work. Um, we at Polk State College have a very similar uh, or, organizational relationship with a with a training vendor like Sporties, and I think the the Cincinnati Sporties arrangement is kind of a model in the industry of how that can work, how it should work. Um, and I can't really say anything negative about their program. Outstanding flight training curriculum, uh, great results. Um, obviously, never trained there myself. That's anecdotal information, and obviously, I've looked at it several times. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, again, it's not just me. I think you're going to have a hard time finding anybody who will say uh, anything negative about the training you'll receive at Sporties. It's an excellent place to learn to fly from everything I've heard. And just to add to that, uh, Sporties, I've used a lot of Sporties courses, and they've been awesome, uh, not through the school itself. but uh, and, and thanks for that shout-out, by the way. Eric Radke, if nobody knows who that is, that's actually the president of Sporties Academy, and he uh, former Gold Seal uh, or is a Gold Seal flight instructor and also was a, a master CFI uh, back in 2006. So a really, really neat person, uh, very much passionate about aviation, and somebody like that who's involved in a program, who has a lot of integrity, uh, speaks volumes about that program, even without knowing the program itself. So the individual is is important. The people running the school is very important. Uh, so I, I don't I think, think the history too. It's the track record. You mm-hmm. know, it's you 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 hear. You know, there's a lot of things that sound really good that have you know good name recognition, and that that goes a long way. But it's not just name recognition with sporties. Um, there's actually a, a very long tradition, a very long uh, string of results that you can look at there of, of, uh, of progress. And uh, actually, I just, I just had a conversation with Eric at uh, Sun and Fun um, just a couple weeks ago about the way the program's growing and how things are happening there. Uh, Sporties is one of – Sporties has – they're, they're innovators in of themselves, but they're other um, interesting outside-the-box thing. Uh, they were the first ones to partner uh, with – multiple other vendors to build a, a group uh, um, 
ATP, CTP course. Um, and uh, so there's just really cool things going on up there anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, again, can't speak highly enough of it. Um, and I think if, uh, if you're going there, if you see Eric, tell him I said hello. Tell him I gave him a plug and see if he'll send me 20 bucks. <laughs> he and, owes and, me for something. He has to owe me for something. Speaking of $20, I've spent oh, thousands of dollars at Sporties just in buying some of the really cool videos and, uh, and their equipment, too. And the funny ones that, you know, of course, the remove before flight, you know, keychain, that kind of thing. And uh, just a neat, neat people, uh, great customer service, uh, and I can't speak more highly about that. Uh, but in, and it goes throughout their whole program in Sporties and started by a really, really interesting man and a really neat story behind that. Go to the website, check it out, sportiesacademy.com, and we'll have a link to that in the uh, show notes. Um, and, Paul, you've, you've used some of the Sporties videos before or no? Yeah, actually, I, I used um, the instrument course at Sporties, and I, uh, that was a really long time ago um but i did it i was doing instrument training part 61 in the flying club that i was a member of and um i just wanted i I needed some more i felt structured uh education and sporties course was awesome it had a it had a syllabus it was uh, the the videos at the time and i'm this is going back to 2005 or 6 or something like that the videos were very well done and uh and i've seen you know sort of updates now and the graphics are you know a thousand times better so they, they do a great job i learned a lot watching that video and and of course their their academy there is uh is great too and i've uh yeah. and i've and just having listened to people that have graduated etc that's also important i know uh we all know people that have been through some of their their training products but also i know a couple of people have been doing some training up there and they've they speak highly of it so uh so yes it's important we i would say it's one of the schools that i would one of the places i would recommend and uh i wouldn't uh i don't like to recommend one individual but uh but that is a good place great place to go and also just a real cool place to be up there in ohio just a beautiful place and uh and a wonderful place for aviation that's the other cool thing about that anyway uh and uh thanks for the email and uh go check out their website at sporties academy we'll get, have a link there next up is uh on the deck is i have another uh comment here in question uh, hello, guys. I'd love to hear a podcast about different options about what to do after you have your private pilot license in terms of how to best get access to a plane. I've read some things online about co-ownerships, clubs, and the like, but I'd like to know more. How much do they typically cost? What are the setups? What happens if you want to take the plane a week for a week vacation? Could you or should you consider doing that to use a plane for flight training? Stuff like that would be great to hear. Uh, also, by the way, um, I've been in flying clubs, and I've, I've built a lot of time through these type of things. Uh, it is – they are great opportunities. And I have a shout-out, though, to uh, – there's the people at the AOP Flight Training Resources and the flying clubs are terrific. There's a gentleman there, uh, Jamie Beckett, who hopefully we'll have on the show again. He's been on before. A super terrific guy has done a lot of work there and a great ambassador for aviation and the flying clubs. They're doing. There's a lot of resources there, uh, how to start a club, but there are other ways to to build time. Uh, all you need to do is have a really rich uncle that owns an airplane, a twin preferably, and just go fly around in that twin. I'm just kidding, but that does happen <laughs> every so often. Uh, and and trust me, I've heard that. Uh, and and people like myself, I built a lot of my time. 
uh, in multi-engine aircraft actually flying for myself, uh, which was one way of doing that. And it was it was some of it was like a business write-off, so that kind of kind of helped there. But uh, but Paul, I mean, how you know have you what experiences? I know you've had experience with this, but so so what have you experienced as far as uh, co-ownerships and clubs and how it's benefited you? Well, there are various ways to uh, you know to gain access to an airplane after you get your rating. And um, when I first started flying uh, as a private pilot, I I just rented a plane at the school that I got my private pilot license at, and or certificate at, excuse me. And uh, so I would rent a plane, and I would take friends up, and I'd split the cost of the airplane. So that was one way to fly in a plane that I was comfortable in, that uh, and I was able to split the cost. And then there were other students there or other certificated pilots already that were renting planes there, and so we would all hook up together and fly. So that was one way, but it was expensive. And then and so um, I had a friend who actually he was my he was one of my instructors who wound up um, introducing me to somebody who was running a club at another airport and it was a very very small club they only had two airplanes and i wound up joining that club and so in terms of you know how the clubs work every single club is different there are some very very small clubs like the club that i joined which we have uh, a cessna 172 uh, and a 152 um those are the two planes we have but there are clubs there's a club in westchester new york that has uh, bonanzas and um, uh, a bunch of different bonanzas, V-tails. They have high per- very high-performance airplanes, but it's more expensive to join. Um, there's another club in uh, in the area here where you have to um, essentially buy a share in the airplanes. So, <clears throat> excuse me, when it's your time to when you decide to leave the club, you actually need to sell your share or your stake in in those airplanes. And in addition to usually they um one of these initiation fees, there there's a monthly fee which goes to the fixed expenses of the airplane, like the tie downs and the insurance and things like and the uh the the annuals and things like that. So, and those costs vary greatly based on the club, based on the equipment. Uh, and then, of course, you have your hourly rate for the aircraft, which is typically much less than if you were going to uh, rent an airplane at a flying school because the the school's trying to make money on the plane and the club is just renting you the plane at its bare cost. So the club is calculating the uh, you know the TBO on the aircraft. If it's a two thousand hour engine, you take two thousand hours and divide that, and you get you get your you know hourly rate for the engine, and then you get your uh, your fuel burn, and you know if there's a note on the plane, things like that. So you you get a bare bones minimum number, and that's pretty much what the club charges. So it's a very um, uh, affordable way to fly, and so now you get a discount there, and. Um, because you, now you're in a club with a bunch of guys, you get to meet other pilots. So then you get to fly with other pilots, and then you can reduce your costs even more. And so I built a I built a bunch of time flying in the in the club airplane, um, and then ultimately at some point, you know, I was work, I was a flight instructor, and then I would teach people in the flight in the uh, in the uh, flight club airplane. So it's a great it's a great way to build time inexpensively. It's a great way to train. If you have, I had my private. And then when I was uh, going for my instrument, I flew with the club instructor, Part 61, and I built I built my instrument hours 
um, you know, in the club airplane. So typically the club instructors gave a sort of reduced rate. You weren't paying like flight school rates and other, you know, for, for flight instruction. So that was another savings there. So I saved a ton of money by, um, joining that club, flying that airplane at a, at a significantly reduced cost. So I'm, I'm all for flying clubs and I think it's a great way to, um, uh, build hours and and uh, re- reduce your overall uh, financial burden with, associated with training. You know, and, and adding to that, he asks about uh, you know what happens when you have like a planning a one week vacation, et cetera. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've I've been in clubs that were more traditional clubs with a whole bunch of people and a few airplanes, and then I've been in clubs, well, really partnerships or co ownerships where it worked differently. That all depends. Uh, I've had it set up where we were like a timeshare. You had one week, and then uh, depending on how many shares you had, you had that many weeks. So there were six shares in this one airplane. Uh, the more shares you own, the more week you had for, for weeks you had. So, for instance, if you own three shares, you got three weeks at a time, and then the next person could get it. So, what was really cool is in that airplane, I had access all the time. So, I had that one in Florida. Then I also was in an amazing, incredible club up in New Jersey. And what what you just said about building time and flight instructing time was, and and he asked that question too: Is this a great way to build time? And to use it for training, I will say this: that 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 school that or that flying club I was in has built so many pilots. Some okay. of them are professional pilots now. Yep. As a matter of fact, we're going to have one of those uh, people back on the show to talk about his experience with going through a club and becoming a professional pilot. And I think Paul, that's actually an experience you've had. Yeah, it is actually. My, my friend uh, who introduced me to this club is now flying at a legacy airline. Um, and so, you know, he he was a flight instructor, and then he he joined the club, and he was flying in the club, um, you know, just building hours the way we were. And now he's flying for uh, American Airlines. That's and cool. It's yeah, it's a cool story. Um, and he's not the only one. I mean, there's there's a bunch. But to get back to you know, I mean, it's hard to answer the the question about taking the plane for a week if you're going on vacation because every club has different rules. Right. The answer is yes. You you will have the opportunity to take the airplane for an extended period of time and you will only pay for the airplane for the time that the airplane is being flown. You know, um, I, I could tell you just from my, from the club that I, uh, am a member in, I could take the airplane as long as the airplane is available for, um, I, I it's in the bylaws. I can't remember exactly the length of time, but it's a, it's a really long time and there's no limit. So if I want to take it for a week this month, a week next month, a week the following month, I can do that. Um, and one of the nice things is that the, the airplanes never seem to fly so much that they're not available. Right. Um, I mean, the club that I was a member in, uh, it, frankly, it was like having your own airplane. I mean, that, that plane it sits on the ramp and it flies, but it's just, it's just always seems to be there. You could just show up to the airport and jump in the plane and take it like it's your car. And so, you know, planning to take it for like say a weekend or, or an extended period of time requires maybe a little more planning because you need to be considerate of the other people that are flying and um, and there have been times where people have taken it um, for an extended period and um, you know and then you know I wanted to take it or vice versa and so what you we would just coordinate and we would we would cha- alter our plans essentially to accommodate the other members of the club so there's there's a lot of jockeying with your own plans to make sure that um 
everybody can get use of the airplane. So there's a, there's a camaraderie there, which is really nice. And there's there's a great way to share too. In that you know, I've always said if you want to fly, be at the airport. If you want to fly, hang yeah. around the club. And oh, uh, there's always somebody there that says, hey, you know, do you want to go up? Maybe a safety pilot here. Uh, yep. We'll switch off landings. Do you need to get three landings? That's perfect. It's uh, I don't like flying by myself, so I, I do that a lot. It's uh, Unless I'm going to do something really fun and crazy in an airplane, I usually like to go along with someone else. And uh, fun and crazy meaning like aerobatics, nothing illegal. That, you know, I don't want to get that impression. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but Eric, have you had any experience with, with flying clubs yourself, and do you recommend them? I've never been a member of a flying club because I always had a job that had airplanes available for me to fly. <laughs> so I never, <laughs> I never had a need for the airplane part. And um, there's just uh, well, no one would know this about me, but I'm a really social person. Nice. And so you know the the camaraderie part of it, I just I made that happen regardless. Like I, so it, it it wasn't so much that I didn't join a club because I didn't want to. It's just I never needed to. Right. Um, and I've watched a little club here in my hometown start off as an idea and some people, you know, thought, well, it'd be cool if we had a flying club. I think we're up to three or maybe four airplanes. I think it's three right now. Um, huge group. And they do ground school every Tuesday night and it's hangouts and barbecues. And it, I mean, it's just, it's so neat seeing that happen because when I started flying, I mean, we didn't call it a flying club, but that's what it was. I mean, we, we hung out at the airport, we barbecued, we did fish fries and everybody just flew places. And it was Hey, they're having a, a fly-in over here with a pancake breakfast. Let's everybody just caravan over there. Um, and I can remember a lot of experiences like that when I was young and, and aviation impressionable. And, and really learned so much. Um, I had a great instructor. But I learned more from those experiences because it was just so much inundation of aviation because of all the people there and all the experiences and the you know, don't ever do this, uh, you know, kid, I made this mistake on it, you know, that kind of stuff, which was so useful. Um, and, uh, you know, nowadays, um, um, our, our college program has a flying club and, um, that's just some of the most fun you can have. I think, um, and it's, to, <laughs> they get together, they order pizza, they watch aviation themed movies, they go on trips together. Um, and it's just a, it's a great, uh, team building, um, you know, camaraderie exercise in and of itself, but then um, obviously access to the aircraft at at a price that makes sense. I think is what's driving more and more people uh, in, into that model, and obviously it's working. Mark Baker from AOPA talked a whole lot about you know all the stuff that AOPA is seeing in flight club development all over the country right now. Um, it's it, I would go so far as to call it a movement. It is a movement in that direction, and I hope that. Hope that it takes off, and no pun intended, because um, you know we got to find ways to be able to get people back in an airplane, and it's tough to say, well, I'm going to go fly around for fun for 250 bucks an hour. That's that's tough, I and mean, that's really really tough to do. Um, and I think the access to an airplane at 20 bucks an hour or 30 bucks an hour is a proposition that that basically anybody can get behind. Yeah, that's for sure. And, they, you know, my hat's off to some of the people who said like 10 years ago, hey, where's AOPA on this? Well, hat's off to Mark Baker, and I told him that uh, at Son of Fun that just a great job uh, promoting the, the flight clubs and, and really pushing that forward. And also that his team, he's just got a wonderful team there too at AOPA. So you can find flight clubs there. You can, uh, And I will say another thing too, flight clubs, on, from my perspective, you know, once you get over, you know, 10,000 hours, you won't, you move back to wanting to go to a flight club and having 
that hundred dollar hamburger again. Amazingly enough, you wanna you wanna be out there and and creating you know a wonderful memory through aviation and uh, and enjoying and sharing those times with some truly terrific people that have a common interest. And there's some really wonderful people in the aviation community. So that's that's priceless right there. Uh, so I can't say enough about flight clubs and also uh, co-ownerships. They're interesting. Uh, but, uh, again, usually you have to shell, sell a share, own a share. Uh, uh, when you leave, you sell it. Uh, those are I've been involved in those. Those are a little bit more time-consuming when you do leave because then you have to find someone to buy your share. Sometimes it's not too bad, uh, but that, that is one of the, the challenges there. So a lot of I, I hopefully have given you some information there uh, on flying clubs, but I highly recommend you going to aopa.org and just look up flying clubs, or just type in AOPA flying clubs in uh, Google. You'll find it. You know, Carl. To that note, too, with uh, talking about uh, making memories and stuff, I'll tell you some of the best memories I have are uh, the flying that I did in the flying club because we used to take multiple airplanes and we would go out and we would sort of caravan out. We'd pick a place. At the end of the day, and we would pick a place, you know, four four airplanes worth of people would fly out to, uh, you know, a restaurant and go have dinner and fly back. And some of the best friends that I've made have been, you know, through, you know, through these flying clubs. And so, yeah, you know, you great relationships, great, you know, great memories. It's just I, I I'm with, I'm with you. I just cannot speak highly enough of uh, flying clubs. Yeah, and that's something that uh, we should do a whole episode on Stuck Mike, which is obviously yeah, exactly. a aviation podcast about flying clubs and, and the camaraderie and, and that community. Because you are part of a professional community, but you're also part of a community that's very passionate about aviation. And those professionals may not be the ones that are actually making money, but they, they approach aviation in a very professional manner. And uh, many of those people are in flying clubs, and that's why I like them so much. That's another reason I like them so much. Uh, but anyway, thanks for that question. Hopefully that's answered some of your questions there, and we did take take some time on it uh we we will probably do a whole episode by the way on that at stuck mike avcast we have somebody from aopa that's going to be coming in and talking about that so if you don't listen to our ga podcast you might want to listen to that because you'll learn a lot uh, about uh what what we're going to do there and and uh and what they're doing at aopa i should say and they're doing some terrific things um just just inspirational stories that's for sure um, also, another thing to look at is open airplane. By the way, if you didn't get a chance, listen to our last uh, podcast, Stuck Mike Avcast, from Sun and Fun. Uh, we had uh, uh, Ken Cage from uh, Airplane Repo, and we also had uh, Red, or we had uh, who do we have from uh, Open Airplane? We also had someone from Open Airplane to talk. We had Rod. Uh, Rod was there. Rod, yeah, sorry. And uh, yeah, there were so many guests. I just it just blew my mind. That just, was a, you want to talk about a round robin? That yeah. was nuts. There were like eight people on the deck. Yep, and that was a it was a blast. But we talked about some of those things about access to airplanes, and uh, and what happens when you don't pay your bill on your airplane too. That was that was King Cage's uh, whole deal there. But uh, definitely listen to that. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, what he's moving forward with and the ability to have access to airplanes. You talked about going on vacation in the last email here. Uh, you can actually go on vacation and fly an airplane using Open Airplane and their universal pilot checkout, so just uh, check that out. Uh, so wonderful things they're doing there. Anyway, let's move on to our next question. We've got, got a lot more to go here. Uh, so the next one comes in says, Hi, Carl, and hello to all the wonderful co-hosts that you have as guests on the podcast. I stumbled upon your podcast right at about the same time that I decided to pursue my lifelong dream of a career in aviation. I sent an email a few days ago with some basic questions, but I wanted this message to stand out on its own. 
Every episode of Aviation Careers Podcast has been so insightful and motivational for me. My flight school only starts up in the fall, so I've had a few months of just waiting to get through. Your podcast has made that time significantly more bearable. I really love your take on one step towards your goal every single day advice. Uh, that's Of course, we, we say that every day. You need to take one step towards your career goal, and that's very, very important. I've taken that advice and since obtained my first class FA medical certificate, enrolled in a collegiate flight program, and saved up for my school supplies. I recently listened to one of your older episodes where a listener emailed in to tell you about a huge networking opportunity panned out within a two-hour window. That story made me feel so good. My current career has has been quite dreadful. I don't really hear amazing stories like that very often. Anyways, I don't want to carry on and lose track of my goal here. I hear people thanking you all the time for your coaching and for the podcast. I wanted to send you my sincere thanks. Also, I want to thank you and all your co-hosts, your support staff, and your families. The time that you take away from them is so helpful to all of us. Please continue the amazing work that you do. You, Eric, Tom, are an inspiration to me every day. Thank you so much. Well, we appreciate that email, and we will. We will keep bringing you more and more co-hosts and folks that will, will help you move towards your career goals and inspire you. It's been really inspirational for me to hear these emails, so keep bringing them in. I, I really, I think it's been helpful for those other people to hear your goals and to hear you accomplishing those goals. So thanks so much for that e- email. I really appreciate that. Um, the uh, the other thing, too, of course, Paul's been a, a big uh, – I know you mentioned Eric and Tom, but Paul's been kind of a new co-host here uh, in the past year, and he's been a, a very good addition, and he's been great with helping us and helping people uh, move forward and has done some coaching as far as interviews, he's done a, a great job in interview prep. So thanks to Paul and also to Eric and to everybody else. I know Tom's listening and everybody else that's been on because we really do. We take time away from our families, but I tell you what – it's worth so much to us because it really it, it fulfills my my goal in life, and that's to help other people. And it, this is just one way that I do this, and, and that's through aviation. Uh, you know, the other way. I mean, we all we all are people that give back, whether to through aviation or or the other things we do in life, and that's really important. And to remember that when you when you do move forward in whatever career you're in, and something you're passionate. About you know, make sure you, you you go back and you and you pay it forward. You you help somebody else move forward in their career by by doing something, uh, and it could be something small, it could be something really big, but just just do something. So I appreciate that email. Well, anyway, let's move on to the uh, to the next email, and uh, this one comes in says I I messaged you a few years ago to thank you for some advice you had given on your podcast and inform you that I was starting my journey in obtaining my bachelor's degree in aviation business administration from Embry-Riddle University Worldwide. I'm happy to announce that I completed my degree and was conferred my diploma today. Awesome. Congratulations. Uh, I maintained a 4.0 during the past three years since returning to school, and as I had attended Embry-Riddle Daytona back in 1990 for one year, I graduated magna cum laude. I also was working anywhere from 60 to 80 hours per week at work during this time. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it can be done, and anyone who wants to achieve their goal in life can, with hard work and some sacrifice. I was lucky to have a very supportive family that understood the importance of this degree to my future. There were times during the process when I questioned if this was the right thing to be doing, as the investment in time and money was substantial, 
but in the end, the feeling of accomplishment and pride cannot have a price tag affixed to it. While I'm not in the aviation industry, 20 years in the postal service, my dream and goal is to work in management capacity at an airport. I will keep you updated with my progress and will also be pursuing my master's degree starting in September. Thanks for a great podcast, and feel free to use this in any way to inspire others that you can achieve your goals. Well, gosh, I, I really appreciate that email, and I just had goosebumps when I was listening to that. And, and you know, I, I know Eric, being an academia, understands, you know, and we all understand that the sacrifice you've made to get to that goal. Absolutely. Well done. I mean, and not just for getting it done, but for understanding the value in it. I think there's there are a lot of people who will lower a shoulder and push um, because they, you know, they don't give up. But it sounds like um, in your particular situation, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't dogged, you know, persistence or, or pride. It was a legitimate understanding of how important this is, how valuable it is, um, and really understanding that it, that it that it is absolutely worth it. And I, I, I second that. I, um, you know, the job that I have is incredibly demanding in terms of hours and in terms of. Uh, mental and physical effort at times, um, but it's the absolute most rewarding thing I can do, um, uh, professionally anyway. It, it's just, it's so amazing to get to see um, exactly what you're describing, that process that people go through from, okay, I'm ready to do this, and then all those hurdles that come along the way, all the challenges that come up, and the the persistence, the determination that ultimately lead in a success like this, and I can't be more proud of you and for you so well done and uh you know here you go again back to the master's degree wish you the uh, best luck in the degree and obviously in the career field also I, i'd love to hear the updates too i'd love to hear as you continue along the way and I, it's not just um it does not just beneficial to to me but certainly to other people who are listening who are in your same position so thanks for sharing you know and he talks about this master's degree uh what would be the importance of getting that master's eric can you comment on that um, you know, I actually had this conversation literally two days ago <laughs> with someone who was talking about, you know, what, what degree they needed in aviation to do, what it is they wanted to do. And a baccalaureate degree in aviation management is uh, an entry to mid-level management position. Um, if you want to go beyond that, if you want to run an airport or if you want to run, um, you know, operations at an airport, the, uh, the MBA, the master's level um, degree is, is essential. Um, if you look at the um, the airport managers for every major airport in the country, they're all going to have MBAs at a minimum, or they may even have their doctoral degrees. Um, doctoral degrees, even still in business, are mainly still for people who teach, um, you know, for professors and the like. But there are a lot of practicing professionals who now also carry the doctoral degree. I will say, though, if your interest is in airport management, be thinking also not just about the degrees that you hold, but the industry certifications that you hold. In the management world, whether it's in aviation or elsewhere, industry certification carries almost as much, if not more weight in some cases, than the degrees that you hold. Um, so, uh, you know, look at uh, what MBAA offers. Uh, look at uh, AAAE um, and the certified manager uh, distinction. Those things um, will absolutely help you um, in the career goal. It's just one thing that will make your resume stand out among others. And it's becoming more and more a, a thing people are looking at. So, um, I think the master's degree, uh, I wouldn't say it's necessary for you know, getting started in aviation administration by any means, but certainly to be um, the director or the operations manager, to, to get to that level, to that second or third tier of management, the MBA is absolutely essential in that field. 
And it's nice to get that done early uh, in your career, just to get that out of the way. Because sometimes uh, life happens, and you get too busy to actually pursue a, a further degree, which which can happen. And it's, uh, it's tough, and uh, it really it's something that will always be on your resume. And it's something like you said, as you move forward, uh, you know. And I had a consulting firm, and I will say this: the people with the master's degrees always commanded higher salaries. So, uh, someone who actually was placing people in the field, I'd love to see master's degrees because of the fact that we could actually charge a little bit more money for those people. It's just the way it is in the in the uh, employment world. So, I, I think that's a, a great idea is to to finish up that master's. Uh, and, and it makes you a more well-rounded person, uh, not just about the money, but definitely makes you a more well-rounded person. And, and it really, I think you have a more a nuanced view of whatever field you're in when you do get your master's, whatever that may be. Uh, guys, I think we have time for another question here. So let me let me start with this one here. Uh, and by the way, thanks for that email, and keep us updated on what you're doing. Next email comes in and says, uh, I'd like to thank you and your team at Aviation Careers Podcast for all the work you do to make resources available that challenge progress and encourage pursuit of a career in aviation. I've chosen to pursue a career in aviation as a professional pilot. I'm 26 years old and have a beautiful wife who supports this change without reservation, for which I'm very thankful. I also have three children. I know this career can be very challenging, but also very rewarding. I have a whopping zero hours in my logbook, and I'm trying to determine the best path to earning my needed licenses, certificates, and add-ons. I'm leaning towards attending the Spartan College of Aeronautics and Technology in Tulsa. I have heard varying degrees of advice concerning this college and was wondering if you knew of it, and if so, would recommend the school in terms of quality, time, and cost. Also, an acquaintance of mine who is a corporate pilot recommends me going the Part 61 route and paying as I go rather than acquiring student loans. However, with my current income, I genuinely think that it would take me five or more years to just acquire my private pilot license through that route. His logic is that it will be many years before I can really start paying down my loans and that the financial burden will be unwise as well as about twice as much money as I would be paying going Part 61. I understand his concerns but feel the difference in time getting to a regional in four years as opposed to eight or more would more than pay for the difference in cost. Not to mention, I'd be flying more and earlier, which to me is a plus. I love your thoughts on this school and also advice from my pilot acquaintance. Thanks for all you do. Uh, actually, I, I think I'm going to let Paul answer this one, and, and I have a, a link I'd like you to, to look at before he answers this. And it's uh, episode 82. It says, Avoid a, a $2 million mistake in your pilot career. And that's kind of interesting, talking about the time value of money, et cetera, and, and actually the, the time that you're giving up by not getting on a seniority list. So, Paul, what, what advice would you give this person? Either you can comment towards this, the Spartan School of Aeronautics and also Part 61. I, unfortunately, I can't comment towards the Spartan College of Aeronautics and Technology because I don't have any uh, – I just don't have any experience with that institution. Um, uh, maybe Eric does. But uh, um, I, I've – I don't know if he has a degree um, at all. I think that'd be one question. I, I'm assuming he does not have a degree because uh, he wants to attend this college. Um, I don't think it's just for uh, for training, but uh, but my my you know my vote in in this would be get your get your ratings as quickly as you can because, like Carl said. Um, in, in that ep- earlier episode, the two million dollar mistake. Um, the the 
longer you take getting to the airlines, the longer it's going to take you to get to uh, a major or a legacy airline. And that's time lost on the back end um, where you're going to, uh, where you have your, your best earning years. So um, there's, there's no reason why um, you couldn't go the part 61 route and really get your training done very, very quickly. Um, you know, I, I did, I did training part 61 and part 141. And I, I mean, I did my private for fun. Uh, and you know, that was over the course of a few months. But then when I, when I decided to make this career change and I, I, I really buckled down, I did my instrument commercial multi and both of my CFIs in, uh, well, I did my, up to my CFI in a year, in, in under a year, and I did my double I in just over a year. So I had all of my ratings in like, let's say a year and a month or a year and a month and month and a half. So you can really get them done very, very quickly. And then of course you have to get to 1500 hours. So as you instruct <clears throat> or build time any which way you want, that's going to take some time and that'll take about two years. So you know, I would say you could get to the regional airline in three years from today if you start today, and that's uh, part sixty-one. And the, you know, it's interesting you said that because there, you know, I did the part sixty-one route, but I did it under like a one forty-one syllabus. So, like you were saying, uh, I was moving along; right. I was getting it done really quickly. Uh, you know, I got my multi-engine, multi-engine commercial, and uh, CFI like in three or four days. Just, just exactly. really intense. Um, but it's at, actually like airline training, right? I mean, you just go that. Oh yeah. Go, go and and you hammer out. It's literally twenty four seven aviation stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and commenting on the Spartan uh, College of Aeronautics, and I actually had experience hiring some of their folks. You know, when I was assistant chief at different flight schools, and I tell you, I've I've had very good uh, and really great responses from the from the students that had worked with some of the instructors that we hired there, uh, knowledgeable and all. But uh, you know, as far as where they are today, I'm not quite as up to date. But as far as the history, and I know people have been there. I work with a lot of folks that have been there. Uh, I'd have to say there's good good things about that too. Also, the other thing too, as far as uh, you know, where you're going to college, there's many online. Uh, type S schools, et cetera, but there's also local colleges. And if you have the ability to go somewhere close to home, that also makes a huge difference uh, in, a, in your ability to save time and money. So there's both the online and also if you have something that's in your back door that you can go to, a college that's close to you, then I think that's a, that's a great resource also because there was a, a lot of schools and colleges near where I grew up. And uh, I was able to do that. I didn't do it in an aviation degree, but it was something close by, and I was able to, you know, come home on the weekends and then start my my aviation uh, career there. Uh, but the the other thing too, as far as holding up your training, and I'm going to let you know, I'd like Eric to comment on this. What I'm about to say is that when you're doing training and you're in just in general life and you're training for a career, or if you're trying to move forward in any type of a degree program. Uh, it's one of the few times I think it's it's a good idea to possibly borrow some money because of the fact that you are actually taking that money to put it forth towards a career that's going to make money. It's interesting, uh, some of the research I've done in the uh, lately talking about those career fields and those colleges that have high payback. In other words, the the money that you put into it has has a huge payback in the salary you get out. One of the, the universities was actually an aviation school. 
And uh, because of the high salaries that people had, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road uh, in in the, that career field, and the career field obviously was, was aviation. But, uh, Eric, can you speak to the point of, of the possibility of taking loans and moving forward with your career quicker? Yeah, I mean, I get what your friend is talking about with the Part 61 thing. I, I would just say as a caution to that, I did my private pilot training under Part 61. I started flying when I was 13. It just like you were saying, it took me five years to get my private done because I was kind of paying for it, you know, as you know, with chore money, basically. That's, that's how I was doing it. Um, and I went to a collegiate flight program, um, started a collegiate flight program for my instrument rating, and I was like seven thousand light years behind everybody else um, because I didn't train in a structured environment with a standardization manual and a checklist and challenge response i didn't train that way i trained you know it was let's get an airplane we're going to go do this today and i'm not saying that all part 61 instruction is created equal because it's certainly not Um, i would say though for you if your end goal is a professional career in aviation you should probably do professional training that would just be my recommendation i have this conversation with people a lot who are like well i'll do the flight training on my own and then, you know, I'll do a degree later. I just, I don't know. It just, I, and it may just be my experience. Maybe, you know, the experience of people that I know have been down that road. Um, and, you know, like, like Paul and Carl are talking about, there are ways you can do it and it works out really well. But to the point about cost, if you just look at it just in terms of numbers, to get a commercial pilot certificate under Part 61, you need 250 hours. It's 190 under 141. So just... Just in terms of getting to the point of your commercial, you're saving 60 hours of flight time. Uh, not to mention the additional credit you can put toward flight simulation in a 141 approved syllabus. So, um, not to fire hose with information there, but but I I would I would say that there's probably a little bit more to consider than what's well, going to cost more. I really don't think that's necessarily true. But when it comes to you know, do I want to stretch this out over a long period of time? I think the obvious answer just from everybody else I'll have to agree and say, no, don't do that. Um, you know, the faster you can get through the training, good training now. Don't, it's not just, well, I got my certificate, but I don't know how to use it. I mean, get good training because you're going to need that. Um, but the faster you can get through the training process and be hireable, um, obviously, at the end of the day, the more money you're going to end up making through the life of your career. Um, and, yes, you may take up some loans in the beginning, um, but you're getting to a point where you can start paying them back sooner as opposed to stretching it out over a long period of time. I can guarantee you're going to pay more that way. Um, I don't even want to tell you what my private pilot certificate costs, and that was a really long time ago. Um, if you know, if I did it today, um, it probably would have cost me half of what it did to do it the way that I did it over a long period of time. So anyway, just some uh, food for thought there. But I, you know, I have a, a, a lot of students who um, who take up every – uh, available financial aid opportunity they can find, um, and I think that's that's not a bad idea. There there are good forms of debt, um, and student loan debt is one of those that that is still a good form of debt, and it definitely gets you to a point where you can start paying back that debt a lot sooner. So uh, that that's my position. Yeah, it's uh, and I have to agree with with all of what Eric said there. It's uh, interesting, you know. We we're closing out the show, and I mentioned Rod uh, Rakick over at Open Airplane, and one of his last posts on his Facebook page was about the cost of becoming a pilot is making the job a pipe dream. Um, I would I wouldn't call it a pipe dream. I I still call it a dream, and it's something achievable. And uh, I will say that as far as financially, it is still worth it. 
uh, if you're going to become an airline pilot or any other type of pilot. I uh, just had uh, a person on my jump seat. He was an air traffic controller. And uh, he said to me, he says, you know, I'm, I'm a commercial pilot. I went to school for this, uh, but I decided to become an air traffic controller, and I really enjoy it. Uh, but he said, you know what? He says, this is really cool what you guys do. And uh, some days I, I kind of wish I did this, but, but he says, I'm here, I'm here where I am now, and I still get to enjoy aviation, and, uh, and I, I love it. But, but make sure that when you go down that path, that's, that's what you want to do. And, uh, and it's, it's worth it in the end because through his, his school, which cost a lot of money, uh, it's paying off now in spades. You know, it took him a while to get where he is now, but it's, it's really been, been a wonderful journey. And, uh, and, you know, same with me. I mean, the, the, the cost has been fairly high. Luckily, I was able to pay most of it with cash, but uh, it took a, took a little while. Um, I didn't uh, jump quickly from one airline to the next. Uh, like some do, because I I liked making the money, and also had to make some money, uh, you know, supporting a, a couple other people, and uh, I I actually you know took a little time getting getting to a, a major, uh, but now realizing, gosh, you know, uh, no matter how much we complain about the 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 pay and how much we complain, and, and airline pilots do this a lot, we complain about about how much we have to work. We Paul and I were just talking about this, but but boy, that paycheck <laughs> is is uh, pretty terrific. Uh, once you get to that level, it could take you 15 years uh, to get there. But but believe me, when you're in your 40s and and 50s, making you know that that type of money, uh, which you know as I show in this episode in '82, the a single aisle captain is making around 200 a year. And I know there's a lot of guys making more than that, and there's some making a little less. But uh, that's really good money. And there's not a lot of different uh, opportunities in the educational world where you can make that kind of cash. And also have the number of days off in this this opportunity here to to fly, and uh, and enjoy the career too, and have have just a, a, an opportunity to to hang out with some really really interesting people, and to visit some amazing places in the world. I mean, my job is just is, is really neat. I get to go to visit family when I'm on overnights, and I get paid to do that. I get to visit islands, and I get to visit places I never would have gone before if it wasn't for this job. Uh, so that there's a there's a there's a, a value in that for me, uh, and it uh, it comes at a little bit of a price of not being home. But uh, a good example is I'm home for five days right now, and on those five days I can do anything I want. I choose to do this. So I choose to work on my podcast and help people with coaching and and uh, scholarships. And, and while I'm on that topic, by the way, and I know we talked about this before, if you have a specific need, obviously go out to aviationcareerspodcast.com and check out our coaching page because uh, we've been able to help a lot of people. We've been able to bring a lot more coaches on board. Within that coaching process, we also do like resume review. We also help with certain interviews at certain airlines. So send us an e- email and ask us if uh, the airline you're interviewing with is one that we actually have coaches for and, and people doing interview prep. And, of course, that scholarships guide. Everybody's talked about the cost of, of training. Those scholarships are not just for people that are looking to get into college. They're for all different levels or for private, instrument, commercial, getting your 7-3 type rating, that, that type of thing. But uh, make sure you look at some of those resources because we do want to help you. And, of course, if you have a question, uh, just send it to us, and we'll, we'll read it here online. We have a, a whole bunch of people here that are really interested in helping you move forward in your career. People like Paul, people like Eric, Tom, and all the other people that have been on the show, we really, really want to pay it forward and, and make sure you do what you want to do and, and move forward in your career. 
And uh, Paul and and uh, you know, I really appreciate your being here, and, and also Eric, I really appreciate your being here this evening to help help these people and help them uh, understand what it's like to to go through this process of moving forward in their career. So thanks, guys, I really appreciate it. That's always great to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think, like we said before, we were we were here at one point too, and somebody gave us yep. some information. I mean, exactly. if it was it wasn't for the mentors that I had, I wouldn't be sitting here giving you this advice <laughs> right now. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, we, we've all been here. Yeah. Well, gosh, and, and as far as that that advice is concerned, you know, like we say every every episode as we close is make sure you do something today and uh, do something now. Uh, to move forward in your career, it's it's really it's just a, it's a small step. You can take a small step, take a, a huge leap, no matter what it is. You, you will always move forward in your career if you take a small, different, a little bitty step towards that. And you never know when you think is a small step turns out to be a huge one. You go to an airport and discover what it's like to fly, and you find out that the person at the airport is the hiring manager for an airline. It's happened. Those are the kind of things you need to do. You need to be out there. You need to be involved, but you need to move forward. You need to do it now and try to take that step right now. Folks, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com. Do a search on some of the questions you have. If they're not there, send us an email. We'll talk to you next episode, and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.